Commensality is a common term that you find in anthropology and in sociology. And commensality is actually coined from Latin, from the Latin word mensa, which means table. So commensality simply means table with. But the concept of commensality is something that sociologists and anthropologists use to understand a society. And the idea is that if you want to understand the power structure in any society, if you want to understand the social dynamics in any society, use commensality. Go and observe how they eat. Who eats with who? Where do they eat? When do they eat? How do they eat? Because eating and dinner and meals is a way you can get to the heart of a society or a community. And so that's the whole idea of commensality. But way before social science came up with that term commensality, Jesus, who is the master sociologist himself, has been applying commensality. And that's precisely what he's doing in the gospel tonight. He's invited to a party, and he's now sitting and looking at the people, and looking at the people, and observing all the power play, the social dynamics that was going on at the party. What was he observing? I have no doubt that Jesus, number one, would have observed what some call social comparison. And what is social comparison? Social comparison is all about who is connected to the power, the source of power. Do you know who knows who, who knows the host? And that is social comparison. And so he must have seen the guests all jockeying for power, trying to see who has better connection to the host. Jesus must have also observed social prejudice. I can imagine him looking at the Jews coming in, and they look to the right, oh, here are the Gentiles. I cannot sit with the Gentiles. As a Jew, I would sit at the head of the table because I am a Jew, and the rest of you are Gentiles. And Jesus was like, hmm, 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 hmm. Jesus definitely would have observed what some people would call conspicuous consumption. People all dressed in gold and bracelets, and everybody is walking in cra, cra, cra. And he looked at them and said, you see that? No, no, no. And now he goes ahead to put before us this beautiful parable. And he says, here is a guy who was invited, he was rich, he had all the connections, he had all the power, but he decides to go and sit with the Gentiles. He decides to dress very simply. And when the host comes in and says, come on, hey dude, what are you doing over there? Come right on. And Jesus says, that's precisely what it means to be humble. So what's the point of the parable? It is simply this, that humility is the route to true happiness. Humble heart, 
contrite heart, that is the route to greatness. That's the point of the parable. And so the lesson we learn from the gospel today is about humility. How you and I and all of us need some humility in our lives. What is humility? So many definitions. But the one I like so much is that somebody says, you know what is humility? Humility is knowing what you truly are. And what are you? And what am I? We are gifts of God. The fact that everything you have and I have is a gift from God. And if you have been given, why then behave as if you've not received it as gifts? And that's precisely the kind of spirit we need in our lives, the spirit of humility. You know, talking about humility, it reminds me of two images, what somebody calls vecro attitude and another person calls Teflon attitude. A Velcro is something that sticks stuff. Pride produces a Velcro attitude. And what it means is that if you are so conscious of your self-image, you have a lot of negativity that stick onto you. And sometimes it weighs you down. But when you are humble of heart, you have a Teflon attitude. Negativity cannot stick for too long. Because you figure out a way of just brushing it out. And that's why I love the song that says, He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low no pride. That's the gift of humility. And that is because when humility produces Teflon, we learn to forgive. We learn to let go. We learn to reconcile. It reminds me of a story of this young couple, newly married, and we're still trying to figure out how to navigate married life. And so one day they had a fight, and the young man was so mad with the wife that he wasn't ready to talk to her for anything. The wife said to him, hey, honey, it's time for dinner. Nope. It's all right, honey. Nope and decided he was so mad he wasn't going to talk to the wife. And so the wife said, all right. Now, when it was time to go to bed, the young man remembered he needed to wake up as early as five in the morning, but he slept so heavily like me, so he needed somebody to rouse him from sleep. But he wasn't talking to the wife. So you know what he did? He picked a piece of paper, wrote on it and said, hey, please wake me up at five. And dropped the piece of paper where he was certain the wife was going to find it. The wife saw it, read it, and said, all right. And when it was five in the morning, the wife took a piece of paper, wrote on it, it's five in the morning, wake up, and dropped it by his, by his bed. And that's why you see the wisdom of the, of the scriptures when he says, the sunset must not find you still angry. Humility gives us a Teflon spirit, ready to let go, 
ready to reconcile and ready to heal. And that's why finally in the gospel, we now see Jesus teaching us about the benefits of humility, the effects of humility. Number one, Jesus tells us in the gospel, humility makes us agents of peace and reconciliation. That's why he says when you have a dinner, go out there, invite the lame, the blind, the crippled, the downtrodden, because you have become an agent of peace. Secondly, the benefits of humility, we become selfless tabernacles of God. When you have humility in your heart, you have a space for the Spirit. You have got a space for God. And that's what humility does for us. And so today, we're going to keep asking the Lord to give us a humble spirit. And that that humble spirit will continue to make us instruments of peace. And when we become instruments of peace, we'll be able to reconcile the woundedness in our families, the brokenness in our relationships, because we have allowed the humble spirit of God to come into our hearts. And now let us bow our heads and pray. O oh, Master, grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord. And where there is doubt, true faith in you.